Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. This is the Bill Press Show. Good morning, everyone. This is the Bill Press Show. I'm Evan McMorris Santoro of Vice News filling in for Bill. Here again at my home away from home, Bill's desk and chair. Um, Good to see everybody. We're going to have a great show today. We got Daryl Lind from Vox. We got Ryan Riley from Huffington Post. We got my colleague Alex Jaffe from Vice News Tonight on HBO. It's been the longest, newsiest week since like last week. And uh, we're going to go through as much as we can of everything that we got through. Um, Peter, how are you? I'm well, buddy. Good to see you. Thank you for having me once again. Thanks for coming in. It's always good to be here. And I will note, I think we should note that I am here on time. (laughs) I was going to say, I've now developed a method where I work up five good minutes, five good minutes of material for when you host, just in case. You know, it takes me a little bit of time to get up and running, but now I'm here because the thing is, there's been so much news. (laughs) and And these guests are so good. Yeah. That I have been awakened uh, to come in here at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I'm excited to be with all of you. Let's get into it. But first, this is the Full Court Press. All righty. Just a couple of other stories making news. Hey, do you want a dog but don't want to have to deal with all of the, you know, uh, obligation of taking care of a dog? Like picking up, uh, uh, you know, uh, the mess when you take the dog for a walk and all this. and th- Like having to go out. Sony unveiled. Their first edition of their robotic dog. It's an AI dog. It goes on sale in the United States next month. How much will it cost you? Um, Five thousand dollars. Well, I, well, I mean, it's three thousand dollars. Oh, well, get it, everybody. Yeah, I mean, I, once you set the bar that high, <laughs> at this price, how can you afford not to buy an electronic <laughs> Listen, AI dog? You need a robo dog. Apparently, what, so what's the deal do. with this thing? Is it like bark and stuff? It will. Its eyes moves. It, its eyes will move. It, it it has sort of sensors to pick up when you're looking at it, which yeah. is creepy as hell. Uh-huh. So if you're looking at the dog, the dog will look at you. Will wag its tail. Will mimic all the things that a dog does without you know actually having to take care and feeding and picking up after an actual dog. The saddest part will be that time you really want your dog to like just be there for you. You've had a rough day coming home, and your dog is like, 
lifeless as you didn't plug it in and right. charge it. Right. Oh no. It's just like this. I screwed something else up. It and goes no from like for me. it goes from like companion to totally creepy thing <laughs> that you see in the middle of the night. Yeah. Sony yeah. says that it fit the dog uh, with tons of cameras, touch sensors, and microphones to hey. make it more responsive and lifelike. They say it has 4,000 parts and 22 actuators. Again, it can wag its tail, shake your hand, move its ears back and forth, can kick a ball, blink its eyes. It's... Can you set it to talk like in like a like an Astro the Dog type voice? <laughs> can, you, can you say it? <laughs> Give it... Well, the other thing is it's connected to a cloud, so it can oh. analyze sounds and images, meaning it can uh, more fully interact with its owner. What would a dog cloud? <laughs> what's in a dog? What's in the dog cloud? It's just like yeah. other dogs' butts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Treats, food that fell off the floor. Exactly. We put it up in the cloud. Okay. We're going to put it up in the so cloud. So for $3,000, you can have a dog that can somewhat mimic a dog for probably 15, 20 minutes at a time. Yeah. 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 Cool. That sounds cool. great. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. I guess. Awesome. Uh, Kroger yesterday made a big announcement. The grocery store chain uh, has uh, shops all around the country. Well, yesterday, their CEO announced that they are going to phase out single-use plastic bags. They said they want to become a fully sustainable business with zero waste by 2025, which is a big deal for a grocery store. I mean, yeah. you know how much waste a grocery store can generate. Yeah. They said that uh, their customers actually came to them and said, please get rid of these plastic bags. Get rid of the plastic bags. A lot of cities are doing it and sort of making stores do this, but the Kroger are doing it on their own accord. They're saying, no, we're intending to get rid of them altogether. Again, by 2025, they said all plastic bags will be done. Now, they the say the customers wanted to do it, but we know from this, like, nascent plastic straw movement what yes. actually happens here, which is that what's going to happen now is that various Fox News personalities will be photographed on Instagram yes. with sh plastic shopping bags full of plastic yeah. straws. Yes. yes. And saying... Deplorable Jason. Now Come and take it. Yeah. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. We're back. It's the Bill Press Show. It is uh, 7.05 a.m. And I am Evan McMorris-Santoro filling in for Bill Press. We just talked about robotic dogs, plastic bags, Fox News, and it's only been five minutes. It's the only news that's happening today. It's only been five minutes. Uh, what should we, how do we, let's get into some stuff. Well, I mean, let's do it. There has been so much stuff. I think... We're going to have Dara Lynn come in later, and she can talk about immigration. She's an immigration reporter. Obviously, this is a very serious story that is sort of keeps going and going and going. We're going to have Brian Riley from Huffington Post, uh, a great reporter. I was actually in his wedding, which is interesting, uh, a while bit. ago. And uh, he's going to be talking about the Justice Department and everything else. But let's talk about this strange phenomenon now where the media – there's something interesting going on in the mainstream press uh, – the Washington Post published a video the other day saying for the first time ever that their fact checker organization had decided to use the word lie about the president. And now that basically it's off to the races, that word is being used all over the place. Yesterday on CNN, I believe, um, Chris Cuomo uh, got into it with Kellyanne Conway. I mean, what this is what happened. 
Yeah, so so you know, Chris Cuomo has this prime time show now. Oh, that's right. Uh, and he had Kelly Cuomo and Prime or something Cuomo like that. Cuomo Prime. Yeah, exactly. I, I, like I don't. I, I, I don't understand why they keep bringing these people on to just do the same charade every single time, right? So they brought Kellyanne Conway on, which is something that they like to do, and they try and catch her in like something that will make her look very bad, which she's very good at doing. And so she and Chris Cuomo, I, I watched a lot of it this morning. It's 20 minutes long. It's a 20-minute long it's interview. Tw- and we're going to play it for you, folks. Yeah, here so we just go. sit back. <laughs> Make your coffee and sit down because, we, boy, we have 20 minutes of compelling audio for you. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. I, I want to play this little clip. This is just this- – So this is so just just for everybody to know, this is 20 minutes of Cuomo- – and are they on the set together? Did you see that part? They're on the set together. Okay, so they're, okay, so they're sitting on Cuomo's set, which is a couple – it's like a primetime show. Yeah. It's like a lounge chair type situation. Very comfortable. They're sitting across from each other, very comfortable – and 20 minutes of essentially this. He lied about this. You guys should own lied it about what? and move forward. I'm sorry. Lied he about knew what? I'm not going to about sit here what Michael Cohen was doing, doing with these women and the payments. No, he no, lied the about said he not knew knowing. about it after. I know, and that's the a lie. The payments were made. That's Says a who, lie. You? Yes. Says, Says you me. Why? Says the facts. Why? No, I'll tell you facts. Because I heard a the tape, president said, and on it, his voice is Donald Trump. And he is listening to his lawyer tell him what he needs to do to finish his deal with his friend Pecker. Everybody's heard it. If you want it, I'll play it again. No, what CNN that plays us? it on a going loop. Well, good. Then you've heard this. So you really, I'm just refreshing like your recollection. So then you the know White it already. House. There you go. I, I, I whittled it down to about 35 seconds. So, I, I mean, if, and, and if that felt long. But I will say this. That's my new ringtone. I, I'm going to set that as my <laughs> ringtone. Because... Uh, Listen, no, what this is really about is try. Is, we're all trying to figure out what to do now in this new world of when things have actually started to happen with all these federal investigations of the president. Obviously, we saw many people from the president's campaign and early administration have already uh, um, confessed to lying to the FBI, which is usually a step that's taken before people, like, you know, are used as witnesses and things like that. But... Now, this this week is like the lawyer week. This is like the big week. This is like the standing in federal court taking charges and like admitting to crimes week. And so that's led to a kind of change in the conversation a bit. And that's what I'm talking about with that with the Washington Post thing where they talk about now they're saying the president lied, the president lied, the president lied. And now Cuomo is saying it and and you know this is and Kellyanne Conway's response is sort of I mean if, if we get rid of sort of like the um a sort of back and forth kind of like you can imagine these two people just sort of yelling at each other kind of kind of situation. What you really have is you have the press saying, look, th- we're done wondering about what's going on here. The president's lawyer, longtime personal friend and personal and personal lawyer said in federal court that he paid off women uh, to cover up affairs ahead of the presidential election at the behest of candidate unnamed who everybody uh, assumes is President Trump. And also, we've also heard this tape that was released in which the the now president and this lawyer were discussing these payments, and basically the White House has to figure a way to spin their way out of this. And what they're doing is they're essentially saying um, kind of a twofold uh, way of doing it. One is sort of like, no, he didn't. No, that's not true. No. Right, right. Says who? You? Says who? You? You? What? Who? <laughs> Who are, which, you to, who are you to judge? Right? Only God so, can judge me. Attacking the press's credibility, which is sort of a pretty standard thing that, that, that Trump has does. And then also this thing that they keep saying where they keep saying, well, everybody does this. I mean, come on. What's, what's the big deal? So what? 
He was before he was president. He paid off his women. And so, you know, whether or not how this plays out in the long run, what happens with the president in the long run after all this is going to take forever to figure out. It's going to be weeks and weeks, months and months and months. And I, you know, my stunning prediction would be I believe it'll be a very a relatively unsatisfying conclusion to most people. That's how these things go. They just grind along. People choose their camps of like whether it's true or not true and whether it's bad or not bad. But we are in an interesting position now because we are seeing th- this president, this White House, um, really in a sticky wicket when it comes to spinning and trying to and trying to protect themselves from what's happened. And that is a position that we don't see White Houses like when White Houses reach this point of being like, I don't know what you're saying. Who says who? I, what? I don't know. What is this? Is this a hat? I don't, am I wearing a hat? I don't know. <laughs> I saw people literally. No, no joke. I saw people popping champagne. Uh, progressives and resistance types popping champagne on the night of the Michael Cohen and the Paul Manafort news. And I was just thinking, do you know how much longer this is going to take? I mean, you are going to need a drink, and you're going to need sure. a bunch of them. L- look, I'll look, tell you that. I'm pro having a drink, yes. I'll tell you, you're going to need a bunch of them. But, yeah, it's going to take forever. And also, don't forget the fact that, you know, the, listen, I mean, we're very early on in this thing now. Um, but, obviously, Mueller's picked up a head of steam. But there, but you know, when you think back to the Clinton administration, there were a lot of people who did not like Bill Clinton, who thought very highly of how well they were doing in terms of their investigations. And then when it comes to the part, you know, we have to. The way it works with the presidency is it shifts out of a legal conversation into a political conversation. That's how it works. That's how it works in Washington. That the prosecutors do their job. Ken Starr in the case of Clinton, Mueller in the case of Trump, you know, do all their legal stuff. They dig through all their. They dig through the ground, they interview all the witnesses, they create the report, they do all this stuff, and then it goes to a bunch of politicians to vote for things like impeachment and removal and all that kind of stuff. And once it gets tossed into that world, it becomes a political conversation, and people sort of go to their corners in a way. Um, but that doesn't that, that's, that's really neither here nor there. I mean, the issue is how much, I think, at the, in the short term how the White House is dealing with this. And I think that what we're seeing is we've seen this president, in this interview the president did with Fox and Friends, which we're going to talk about, and um, the Kellyanne Conway appearance. And Kellyanne Conway is one of their best speakers they have at this White House with Chris Cuomo. It, this is what they have. They should have to flap their arms and say, no, 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 that's not, no, what you're seeing is not happening. Or the media is lying. Or um, there's some secret that you haven't heard yet. Well, you know as as well as anybody, right? Like, to a lot of Trumpers, to the base, there is no news except for what Donald Trump says. Nothing else matters. Literally nothing else matters. That's true. And so if he or his people come out and dispute what everybody else seems to see as obvious fact, it's no longer obvious fact in their eyes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, this is like this, this gets back to the Rudy Giuliani thing from the week of the truth isn't truth. That's to correct. Lo- to a lot of Donald Trump supporters, the truth is absolutely not truth. Well, that's correct. But I mean, I, I mean, I but I think that the I think that the issue here with this thing is that this week is the week where I think this White House is starting to realize how hard this is actually going to be. That 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 is very successful in a Trump crowd. I mean, I go to a, I go to a lot of Trump rallies for Vice News tonight on HBO seven thirty every weeknight, and um, when I go, I meet. The people who go to Trump rallies and believe everything Trump says and believe there's nothing wrong and there's nothing and nothing's going bad, but there are a lot of other people in this country that aren't that don't go to Trump rallies, and the question is where how does this stuff all land with them? And obviously, you know, 
the timing of this is about as bad as it could possibly be for Republicans facing down a midterm election. Um, maybe it was a month later from now, it'd be even worse, but it's pretty bad. And the president's, and you know, you kind of need the White House to sort of figure out what they're going to do about this. And their answer is put the president out there to kind of confess to doing stuff in a weird way and like not know what he seems to be, know what he's saying, and then put him on the campaign trail. 40 times between now and November. That's the White House strategy is more Trump, more Trump, more Trump, more Trump, which makes sense because it worked for him in the past and, you know, in the past. But now there's actual sort of, you know, the Cuomo thing is right. There are tapes now. There are confessions now. There are, I mean, everybody in Trump's orbit flipping on him, turning on him, telling prosecutors, cooperating. I mean, it's a different world, but they're going to try the same spin and we'll see how that plays out. That's a really good observation, actually. Like, I hadn't really thought of it that way. They they have not adapted their strategy at all. Same strategy. Because it, it is sort of one speed with Trump, right? Like, it's all, it's all Trump all the time. Yeah, I mean, he says it over it's always been. Right. I'm the best been. Secretary of State. Yeah. I'm the best campaign manager. <laughs> I'm the best uh, Republican voice. Right. Um, you know, this is this is what he does, and this is how they're handling this. I mean, I alone can fix it. That's right. Do we have anything? I mean, I know we're going to talk about this more, but like, what's a good thing from the Fox News interview that we can Fox and Friends interview that we can play to that sort of illustrates this thing where the president's like, "I got this." Well, so like, I want to play the the session stuff. Yeah, it's fine. I thought that was That's really perfect. interesting because we know he has a complicated relationship with Jeff Sessions. Yeah, but let's set it up as, in terms of what it is because because what he's really doing with the Sessions stuff. So, of course, he has been mad at Jeff Sessions pretty much since he made him secretary, uh, since he made him um, attorney general, yeah. which is odd because um, Sessions is extremely Trumpy in his worldview when it comes to things like immigration and um, uh, uh, a lot of, like, criminal justice enforcement, the war on drugs, etc. These, these guys are very simpatico on that stuff. Obviously, Sessions, an extremely early supporter of the president's uh, campaign. Um, but there seems to be this thing where, you know, Trump has sort of declared war on uh, this deep state and this idea that the, the government's all out to get him and everybody who works is out to get him, that now it even includes his own attorney general, who he appointed after the guy was like one of his top fundraisers for his campaign. It's amazing. Yeah. It's completely amazing. So here he is talking about Sessions on, on the Fox and Friends interview. I wanted to stay uninvolved, but when everybody sees what's going on in the Justice Department, I always put justice now with quotes, it's a very, very sad day. Jeff Sessions recused himself, which he shouldn't have done, or he should have told me. It's like he thinks he can do a Fox and Friends call-in circa 2014 about Eric Holder, <laughs> yes. about his own attorney general. It's a remarkable piece of spin. This is a remarkable moment to think about this because because what he's doing is he's turning on his own. I mean, I mean, he's done it before. People are used to it now. Trump yelling at Jeff Sessions, Jeff Sessions yelling back, nothing happening. But if you really think about what's actually going on, it's a very strange circumstance to, to see the president of the United States attack his own attorney general and put justice in quotes of his <laughs> own justice department. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, he goes on, he, later on in the interview, he talks about how the Democrats are in charge of the Justice Department. The Dems are very strong in the Justice Department. I put an attorney general that never took control of the Justice Department, Jeff Sessions, never took control of the Justice Department. What does that even mean? It's a cognitive dissonance situation. It's just, it's, it's just like, look, this is the argument. I mean, but again, 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 it's a base-focused argument, and that seems 
really remarkable because he's been so good at sticking with his own base. But so he's telling his base, look, this is the deep state stuff I've been telling you about, folks. Yeah. This, this is this is the Democrat run uh, uh, Justice Department I'm telling you about. These guys are deep, 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 deep in the government and they are going to continue to be there and they're going to and, and, and they are running all the whole show and Sessions is trying his best. But there's so many of them. This is what Scott Pruitt said about the EPA when he was in charge of the EPA. Right. This is what um, other officials in the Trump administration have said about their departments as well. That this sort of this this notion that like it's really just a a, a a shadow Obama government that they're trying to sort of wrangle around, that works for his base. But I mean, Jeff Sessions is the public face of the Justice Department. He is the top law enforcement officer in the United States, and that's what he is. And 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 if you and all you got to do is ask anybody who's been prosecuted. Um, We've been facing down prosecutions for uh, immigration violations or any families that were separated from the border. How powerful and how much in charge he is or, or is not. Yeah, the Democrats are not in charge. <laughs> I mean, that's a stirring statement. The Democrats are I not mean, in charge. I, I, I mean, the Democrats yeah. are not in charge. But, but this is about this. But this is what I'm saying. The Trump's Trump's strategy is to focus on his base, gin up his base, gin up his base. Basically, as it has been right along to to the uh, to the to the complete ignorate like ignoration to, to while ignoring entirely uh, swing voters, moderate voters, obviously no Democrats trying to get any of them. Um, that's the strategy that they're going to. They're going to the mattresses essentially. They're they're they're, they're like we're lo- we're hunkering down, we're locking in, and we're going to just focus on the people that like us already, um, and you know. We'll see how that plays out. I mean, it's got like 73 days to work. It's a bold move. It's bold. It's It's, a bold move. It's bold. It's bold. And like, look, it's starting to have things are starting to fray on and in the in the in in Congress and the Senate and everything like that. I mean, uh, Paul Ryan put out a very tepid statement about the Michael Cohen stuff. Obviously, House Speaker House Speaker Paul Ryan saying, you know, we got to review it. We don't know what we're doing yet. We don't know what this looks like yet. We're going to see what it is. But the Jeff Sessions stuff, Jeff Sessions, a longtime Republican senator, every time Trump attacks him, the more vociferously he does it, the more it, like, upsets other senators because they don't like this kind of thing. So, like, senators get really upset. So we have some audio of that, too, I think, of senators getting upset. Yeah, Ben Sass uh, yesterday, senator f- uh, from Nebraska, right? He's from Nebraska. I think it's from uh, Yeah, that's right. Uh, yesterday, he—well, th- uh, to your point, right, like— this is something that people have talked about for a long time. If Jeff Sessions was to step down or Donald Trump was to fire Jeff Sessions, they would have a really, really hard time confirming somebody else. Because Jeff Sessions is such a buddy of so many people in there, Ben Zass, a uh, senator from Nebraska yesterday, saying that firing Sessions would definitely be a bad idea. It's a bad idea for the Constitution. It's, the, it's a bad idea for public trust. It's a bad idea for the Department of Justice. And frankly, it's a really bad idea for the President of the United States. And I've communicated that message to my colleagues today, and I've communicated that message to the President. And he goes on to say, because Trump is sort of insinuating that he wants Sessions to be just a complete partisan hack, and Ben Zass addresses that. The idea that Jeff Sessions might be fired because he's not a political hack is a very, very bad idea. And to my other point, uh, what I said about, you know, it's going to be hard to find a new attorney general, Ben Zass actually just admits that. As a member of the Judiciary Committee and as a member of this body, I find it really difficult to envision any circumstance where I would vote to confirm a successor to Jeff Sessions 
if he is fired because he's executing his job rather than choosing to act as a partisan hack. So that's a never-Trumper Ben Sass. We're going to talk when Dara gets here about some other senators. But it is interesting because, like, you know, when you pick on a senator, senators get upset. That, that's a that's a hard and fast rule. <laughs> they don't like it, even but, in these unpredictable days. But I mean, I think the most important takeaway from all this, just from my observation of it all, is: look, we don't know how any of this is going to go in the end. We don't know what any of these investigations are going to go. We haven't seen Robert Mueller's report. I actually interviewed Lindsey Graham yesterday for our show on HBO and asked him about impeachment and impeachment rules, and he basically said, like, look, we haven't seen. Mueller's report yet, so I don't know. We got to save anything. What 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 anyone's going to be, but we are seeing that the White House spin machine, the White House um, efforts to try to protect itself, only has one speed. They have not debuted a new tactic in the face of all of these. Uh, convictions and um, uh, flipping and uh, admission to crimes in federal court. They do this thing where they're like, who? Never heard of him, which is what they do. First they say, never heard of him. Then they say, Democrats are out to get me. Then they say fake news. And that's it. And, and, And they keep doing it over and over and over again. And the question is, is that going to work this time? And we don't know that yet. But that's the thing you should be watching is the fact the spin hasn't changed. The fact the effort hasn't changed. It shows that this White House is not adapting very well to the new reality in which they face. Which is, this, is a, this has gone from a sort of like very exciting uh, scandal on the left to a very exciting scandal sort of in Washington scandal, which is very, to now a very large, like classic, traditional presidential scandal. I mean, this is like... Four-alarm fire stuff at this point. Yeah. And the White House's reaction has been the same at each level. When it was just sort of like something that the liberal Twitter sphere talked about, and it was just something that, that Washington sort of talked about, and was eh, to like to now it's just like this the full scale stuff. It's like the it's the people are convicted are, are you know the people are turning on the president, the courts are 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 involved, and they still sound the same at, at each level. And so when I watch it, that's what I watch. I don't know what it means. I don't know who's guilty of anything. I don't know who any who who did anything. I don't know the president's involvement. I don't know any of that stuff. But I do know that as a political observer, I'm watching this exact same response to each level. And I think that that's something that is interesting to, to note. There may or may not be a time that Jared Kushner gets indicted or gets in some trouble. His name has been thrown around. But when who? Ha- Jared who? That's exactly right. Who? He's going to be. I, he was, I, I, saw him around, I saw him around the White House a couple of times. Look, his father was a very bad man. Look, his I don't know. went to jail. Yeah. His father went to jail. I I didn't know the man. I, I never I never man. met him. I never Jared, seen him. Jared Kushner. No, I, I don't know the guy. <laughs> it's gonna happen. It's gonna. That's gonna happen. Melania. Uh, who? You can't. She's just folks. You can't trust her. Yeah, I never seen her. Folks, you can't trust her. I don't know. <laughs> she came around a couple times. Donald Junior. Easily my least favorite son. <laughs> easily my he least favorite. He took my son. name. I didn't want to give it I to him. I didn't want to give it to him. I didn't want to give it to him, folks. He comes in. This man is an imposter. But I'm just saying, like, this is this is where it's at. I mean, it's just the same stuff over and over. So, I mean, that's and that's and that's very interesting. And in the meantime, like, look, obviously we talk about this stuff, and it's something that we're, you know, it, it, this is a hard week to dig past and, and, and beneath the surface on this stuff. But there are also so many other things going on that the presidency is still trucking along, and the Justice Department still is, too. One of the things I did on the show last night with my interview with, with Graham was talk about, 
um, cybersecurity and cyber threats in the country. And that Lindsey Graham and Sheldon Whitehouse, uh, Sheldon Whitehouse is a Democratic senator from Rhode Island. Lindsey Graham is obviously the Republican from South Carolina, um, are trying to get the president's attention, Republicans in Congress's attention to the vulnerabilities that we face to cyber threats uh, over the th- over things like uh, our dams and bridges. I mean, our dams and power grids and our elections and all sorts of other stuff like that. And these type of things are being done that, that these people are worried that our election might be hackable um, in just a few short weeks. And these things are still happening in the Trump administration. According to Lindsey Graham, the Trump administration is not paying enough attention to this stuff. And they're already not paying enough attention. And now you have these new distractions of these giant ongoing scandals that are going on. Meanwhile, immigration enforcement is still happening. We we, we had the entire thing where we uh, had the president come out and jump on the story of a woman's murder in Iowa uh, to again sort of raise his racially tinged uh, slash directly racist um, um, uh, uh, base-based support systems. Uh, it, like... This stuff is all happening while we're, it's all being drowned out by all of this scandal news. So the presidency is still up and running, but also there's this now sort of overarching cloud that I think is blocking out the sun for a little bit. But, you know, it's this is a big week, and this is the whole thing. It's like it's hard. you got to keep track of what's going on. you got to pay attention um, because, and I think when it comes to the scandal stuff, you know the score now. New stuff is coming out. And the president is spinning it the way he always spins everything. And it's really easy to forget this stuff sometimes. Like, you know, I, I, I talked about this a million times on the show, the the podcast Slow Burn. Yeah. Uh, which they did a very, very, very good, very first, good podcast. first season. Now they have the second season out about the Clinton impeachment. And it's just like, oh, man, I totally forgot some of this stuff. Yeah. I just completely forgot about some of this stuff. And we're going to have the same situation this time, regardless of how it ends up. That's right. But, I'm, yeah. But. The Michael Cohen stuff from this week will be something that lasts, I think. I, I mean, it is as big a, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's as big a thing as I've seen. I mean, this yeah. is the president's personal attorney. His office is raided. He's got tapes of the president. I mean, this is like, it's funny because like everything that you think could never happen again, right? Tapes. Right. Tapes. <laughs> tapes. Again. <laughs> like... <laughs> What are we doing? If you're president, yeah, don't have tapes. Just free, don't tape. free advice. Free, good, solid don't advice. Don't tape. Don't tape things. Don't tape. But look, it's like this is what happens. You have a world around you. People are just, you know, they were obviously people People worry about something bad happening. So anyway, all right, folks, that's the first half hour. That's me mostly rambling. When we come in, come back. We got guests galore. Very, very good. I'm Evan McMorris Santoro. From Vice News, filling in for Bill Press, and we will be back with some of those guests. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. We're back, everybody. I'm Evan McMorris-Santoro, filling in for Bill Press. And as promised, the cavalcade of amazing guests has begun. I'm a cavalcade. With your, You're part of a cavalcade. <laughs> You're part of a cavalcade. You're a full you can't, cavalcade. Can't claim the whole cavalcade. No. Cavalcade of one, gosh darn it. <laughs> I'm a cavalcade of one. Cavalcade of one, Daryl Lind of Vox, senior reporter from Vox. Uh, if you can follow her on Twitter, at D Lind. That's D-L-I-N-D. It's not at Cavalcade of one, which it should no, be. No, but I'm totally taking it Which it might now. be today. Wait, can I can I just interrupt? Because we, we were going to try to get Daryl on earlier this week, and she couldn't come in because 
Oh, yeah, because I was a terrible... Uh, Peter had emailed me over the weekend, and I was doing nothing over the weekend other than playing with my new cat. She got a new cat! New cat! I adopted a, a cat. cat. Uh, Saturday was Clear the Shelters Day, so they waived adoption fees. And so we, took, we got this amazingly wonderful, very touchy, very affectionate little five-year-old diva of a cat who we've, of course, named Aretha. Aretha. She is our oh, little diva. I we like call it. her Riri. Hell yeah. Now, before um, we get into this, I have to say, first, just what a terrible prep job the producers have done today. I did not know about this cat at all. Yeah, and, no, and I've been surprised so many... on the air with this cat. And let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something. Okay? Yeah. Don't steal my cat material. <laughs> I got cat material ready to go. <laughs> all right? I'm sorry. The audience is being underserved. <laughs> Yes, anyway. I, right. All right, I'm, not, I'm not showing Evan pictures of my cat only because I care about you, the radio I mean, what's audience, next? too much. What's I will next? put them on Twitter instead. <laughs> All right, show me, show me the uh, cat. Let's see a rethink. Yeah, I, I will. I'll hold on. I'll I'll get to the cat. We can we can talk about now, other now, things. Have you had a cat fun. before? I have never had a cat before. My partner is a cat whisperer who can get cats to play fetch. What? Uh, so like, what do you mean play fetch? Wait, like they, what? You throw something and it, the cat brings it back. We have not tried this with Riri yet, but he has in the past thrown like you know a cat toy down the hallway and the cat will get the toy and bring it back to him i have witnessed it it is magic what yeah no he also by the way she's currently doing like eye drops because she picked something up at the shelter he will put drops in her eyes and she will cuddle up next to him to like protect her from the things he is doing to her oh he's amazing i, I just can't... want to clarify something it's uh, you actually adopted a dog oh my this is extremely is cute extremely can i a cat. this cute cat there you go cat yeah. cute there are also pictures of her on my stomach yesterday when i was attempting to work from home because we needed home repairs she doesn't oh, yeah. understand working it's from very home. regal yeah oh that's a cute cat she's it. adorable she's yeah, also just absurdly affectionate and at some point when i actually need to get things done it's going to be a problem but for in the meantime well great. also and according to you eventually this dog is going to like you know like sit on command yeah, and like right. roll I don't, over I, we haven't gotten her to do she does appear to understand couch because couch is where she can cuddle with us it under no i'm not i'm not sure about that i think she may just uh, like she may just understand that human is going in a direction where it may be able to cuddle her better but i certainly said couch and it seemed like she went in that direction can we play that cuomo clip just the beginning of it really quick <laughs> that's a lie that's, that's a, a lie. lie you're lying <laughs> all right um you anyway. lied about this. You guys should own it. Yeah, don't lie about the couch. Don't lie about the couch. Michael Cohen. Don't lie about fetch. You're lying. I don't believe. Okay, so tell me. Okay, so yes, Andrew Cuomo is clearly, you know, a well-established. That's Chris side. Cuomo. Oh, oh Chris Cuomo. I am so Chris sorry. Cuomo. I have gotten my. Who, by the way, wrong. not part of the cavalcade today. <laughs> but he. Uh, but anyway, so I, I'm just saying I'm, I'm skeptical that your cat understands the word couch or any of this stuff. But I think, but but the, the cat's I very may cute. Be, I may be overstating the couch thing, but everything I say about my partner, you should believe. He I do believe whisperer. that the cat's very cute. And um, so, what made you decide on cat versus dog? Oh, much less like as as. The hardest thing we have to do is just cuddle her all the time. You don't mm -hmm. have to take her for walks. Like, mm -hmm. she's very good at using the litter box. She is good at, like, knowing when she's hungry and not overstuffing herself. She, like, she self-regulates pretty well. She even knows how to use the scratching post already. That's not a wonder cat thing. That's because she's five and had a previous owner. Oh, but, that's like, nice. Yeah, yeah. We don't have to, we have not had to do a ton of training with her at all. People should do that more, too. Like, you adopted a cat that really needed a home that was not, like, a new, like, a kitten. Like, it's a cat that was just, like, you know, hanging out. Yeah, needed, yeah. It's a, it's a, something. it's a, good age yeah that's cool and aretha is a great name yeah i mean it's it's much harder when she's like when she's being ridiculous and just flopping all over you don't want to call her aretha which is why riri is good but like <laughs> i mean she I'm... does she does make lots of noises she purrs she she's looking for a little great. respect yeah they, yeah, yeah I, I, 
No, just just as Aretha Franklin was a human who preferred to be swathed in furs, we have a furry beast who prefers to be swathed in human. I love Perfect. it. I love this. Perfect. This is great. Yeah. You should have brought Aretha in. I should not have brought Aretha in. She uh, she's still not great with people she doesn't know yet. So. All right. Well, what, I can't wait to see what other surprises the guests are going to have in the rest <laughs> of this show. So many more surprises coming up. Just we you wait. Kevin is looking and daggers behind. at Peter right oh, now. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm, I'm flopping around about cats <laughs> out right. here. All right. We can my talk about things that are going on in the I world. that I do. Um, all right. So, you know, who's not having sort of a very, you know, who's not rubbing up against the president right now and purring <laughs> yes. um, is... Jeff Sessions, our no. attorney general. No. Um, I talked in the beginning part of the show. We played for people about 20 minutes ago all this audio of the president um, uh, talking on Fox and Friends about how, like, terrible Jeff Sessions is. He should have told me he should have recused himself. I don't, you know, the the DOJ is run by Democrats, all this stuff. He's attacking Jeff Sessions. He's done it before, but he's, like, really amped it up right now, right? Right. I mean— the thing that it's important to understand about Donald Trump is that he doesn't like firing people himself. He doesn't like confrontation. We actually heard reports of a meeting that Trump had with people, including Sessions yesterday on prison reform, where some of the reports said everything Donald Trump had been saying didn't come up in person with Sessions. Like he really doesn't like in-person confrontation. And that means that he doesn't want to fire Sessions on his own. But he appears to have decided that if he bullies he'll Sessions burn him online. hard enough. He'll, he'll burn him online. Right. He won't do it to his face. Right. Like, yeah. but but he the, the kind of logic here appears to be that like no one can put up with this kind of indignity forever and that eventually he will get Sessions to pack up and leave on his own. So, you know, we've seen a lot of complaints about specific things the Justice Department has done before, you know, the kind of like, quote, unquote, justice department that Trump will do on Twitter, but actually sitting down in an interview and saying that, you know, there is no control of the Justice Department. It's not quite, you know, actually saying that he wants Jeff Sessions out explicitly. It's not that far from that. It's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty damning take on Sessions' role at the Justice Department in general, which is, of course, ironic because on policy, Sessions is doing more to kind of implement Trumpism than anybody else, especially now that Scott Pruitt is out. He's by far the most policy effective member of the administration. Might be the Trumpiest guy in the administration. And gets literally no respect from the president. He has every Rodney Dangerfield clip available to play at his disposal right now. (laughs) But just to be just so everybody is is clear on this, if Trump wanted if the president wanted the attorney general gone, he could do that like by the end of the day today. Oh my god. It would all would take, and you know, we've we've heard kind of reports from inside the White House that he actually decided to fire Sessions, and you know, White House Counsel Don McGahn talked him out of it. Like he was supposed to like do the thing last year. Um, it's what Trump hasn't yet found is the com- is the right person to tell to go fire Sessions who won't try to talk him out of it, mm-hmm. or you know the kind of chutzpah to go fire Sessions himself. If he did either of those things, Sessions could be out. Mm-hmm. And in the past, we've seen uh, senators mm-hmm. get really upset about this. I mean, we, we did play a clip of Ben Sass as well, who was very upset about the idea of the president attacking sure. Sessions. I mean, look, we talked about this earlier. Sessions, a longtime Republican senator, much seniority, 
Um, not a particularly well like liked senator, I don't think, in terms I mean, of like he was very he was kind of on the edge of a lot of stuff. He was like right, more right. to the he right. Wasn't, he was he but was he, in the, what, he was a senator, right? And exactly. the senators like senators, right? And he wasn't like a he's not Ted Cruz, right? Right. Ted Cruz is someone who you know even when other senators agree with him, they don't like him. Jeff Sessions, and the, you saw this a lot during the confirmation hearings, right? Even senators who had been very opposed to what. Sessions had like, you know, his agenda in Congress, like Lindsey Graham, for example, who, you know, was always strongly opposed to whatever Sessions was trying to do on immigration and vice versa. They really closed ranks. The GOP Senate conference was very much in favor of getting Sessions into the attorney generalship as, as soon as possible. And like some of that was camaraderie, but also, frankly, some of that was because Donald Trump was still an unknown quantity. They didn't particularly trust him. They knew that Jeff Sessions was going to be a steady hand at the wheel. Right. You know, they didn't they may not necessarily agree with what with the direction that wheel was turning, but they wanted to have somebody in there who they respected. And it's been very right. early names for for AG were like Rudy Giuliani was discussed and yep. like Chris Christie. These are people outsiders. So like right. they, and even Jeff Sessions is one of them. Who, right. And and even, you know, some of the first wave of Trump appointees to other cabinet positions like Rex Tillerson wasn't a known quantity. Even John Kelly didn't have a ton of experience with Congress Mm -hmm. and it turns out not to have much respect for Congress. So it was, you know, that there was a lot of respect riding on Sessions, even above and beyond the fact that he was kind of a member of the Senate. Mm -hmm. But we there's been a little less willingness to defend Sessions from people not, you know, Ben Sass. You, you know, in the in more recent days. But we're seeing a shift, yeah, you're saying. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell me about this shift? So so yesterday, Bloomberg News talked to two really key senators. They talked to Chuck Grassley, who's the current head of the Senate Judiciary Committee, which means if hypothetically there were another attorney general nominee, it would have to go through Grassley's committee. Uh, and then they talked to Lindsey Graham, who is Grassley's going to be retiring after this term. And Graham is w- probably the likely next head of the Judiciary Committee. So if you know, if there was something to happen in 2019, Graham would be the person who would control it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in the past, Grassley has said, look, I have way too much stuff to do already. I have too many nominees to get through. Remember, that's also the committee that judicial nominees have to go through. I can't deal with an attorney general on top of this. And that was kind of a sort of signaling. Exactly. We was, don't want the president yes, to fire is, Jeff this Sessions. This is how senators talk. Senators say this can't be done when they mean I don't want to do this. That's right. Uh, so, you know, that had kind of been the 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 shot across the bow. And now... For one, Grassley is saying, well, hypothetically, if there were room, you know, hypothetically, there is room on my schedule right now. I could deal like that objection no longer applies. I could deal with another nominee. Meanwhile, Graham is out here saying Donald Trump does not have the you know, he he doesn't have confidence in his attorney general and a president should have an attorney general that he has confidence in. And so You know, Graham says it would be a bad idea to do this before the midterms. Don't do it before the midterms. We're busy trying to get Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. But at some point, we might see a new attorney general, which, again, senators say that something can happen when they mean they're okay with it happening. If Lindsey Graham meant he would, you know, stand in the Judiciary Committee room door and prevent a new attorney general nominee from entering, he would say something about it can't be done. So that shift away, that shift uh, while it seems very subtle, is actually a pretty big deal in terms of the fact that so someone like Grassley who said, like, saying I don't want to do this, which was meant don't do it, right. please. Right. Now he's saying, yeah, I could do it. Right. Sure. I mean, it's, and you do still hear some people, I mean, it's not just kind of the people who often 
you know, critique Trump. John Cornyn, who's the majority whip, was, you know, kind of forceful in saying, look, this can't happen. You know, again, he was saying it shouldn't happen by saying it can't happen. We probably can't get somebody passed. Uh, Susan Collins said we probably couldn't get a new AG passed, meaning she might not vote for him. There are there are certain it's not like they've done the whip count and a new attorney general would definitely get out of the Senate. But a very important roadblock that used to be in the way of if you fire Jeff Sessions, you can't appoint somebody permanently to replace him, which has implications, especially because, remember, the reason that that Donald Trump doesn't like Jeff Sessions is because Sessions can't fire Robert Mueller. Like, it's not just that. It's that he broadly recused himself from the Russia investigation. But because of that recusal, he can't fire Mueller. Well, yeah, I mean, I actually want to get into that because, because I, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. A so a new attorney general isn't Jeff Sessions. Like, he didn't recuse the attorney generalship. So a new attorney general could fire Mueller. Yeah. If if he were, like, fully appointed, if the if Trump just kind of put an acting attorney general in there, then it gets kind of complicated because Rod Rosenstein is still in charge of the Mueller investigation, et cetera. But that kind of the inability to appoint a new attorney general is a really important roadblock to firing sessions if the reason you're firing sessions is because you want somebody who can fire Mueller. Right. So in theory, so in theory, actually changing the AG could, in fact, have a broad implication, like broad implications on this investigation. Absolutely. You could bring somebody in and but again, like, I mean, this is I mean, this is real. Sort of like political nuclear option stuff. I mean, it, it, I mean, if the president were to fire the AG to bring in another one that would fire the special counsel, we've seen that movie before. It was called the Saturday Night Massacre. But the thing Nixon is, did it did not end well for him. Right. But the thing is that both of those it's called the Saturday Night Massacre because both of those happened on the same night. What we haven't seen is a scenario in which you know. Remember this ostensible reason why Jim Comey got fired mm. and how it was because he didn't treat Hillary Clinton very fairly in 2016, right? Like, yeah. There are ostensible reasons that the president could say that Jeff Sessions and he don't agree on things. One example, and arguably the reason that Chuck Grassley has lost patience with Sessions, is because uh, Sessions is staunchly opposed to any criminal justice reform coming out of Congress. And Grassley has kind of walked his way to a compromise on that that he now really believes in. Jared Kushner agrees with Grassley on this. Jeff Sessions is opposed. Donald Trump appears to be opposed because Donald Trump, you know, is easily swayed by arguments about you don't want anybody getting out of prison and then killing people. Uh, But, you know, in theory, you could see a world where Trump says to somebody, come up with a reason. And they say, well, I really believe in criminal justice reform and my attorney general needs to be on board with that. And so he fires Sessions. Then you have a new confirmation hearing where it's really up to the GOP Senate whether they make a big point of asking, do you believe in the independence of the special counsel's investigation? You know, they may ask a lot of hypothetical questions about what would you do if asked to fire X, Y, Z? And maybe they don't press on that or maybe they press on that and get evasive answers. And then you get someone who is duly confirmed by the Senate who then fires Robert Mueller. Like, that's not a Saturday Night Massacre. That's something that's been, you know, either laundered or validated, depending on your point of view, through a legitimate Senate process. Yeah, wow, okay. So the <laughs> Sessions news is actually a pretty big deal. Pay attention to it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we'll see, right? Like, it's entirely possible that Chuck Grassley was just engaging in a fit of pique, that Lindsey Graham, who's also on board with criminal justice reform, was also just frustrated with Sessions about this. Maybe they'll decide that... 
you know, after the midterms, they have a different point of view. But that's where we are. And Dara, you wrote a good story on this. And I, the thing about uh, Dara is that she's a very good writer. And also the Vox format of articles is so cool. Like it just it lays things out so well. You should go and find it, read it, catch up on all this stuff. When you're not um, training a cat to be dog-like <laughs> or uh, exploring all the avenues of uh, of a uh, 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 Senate rhetoric, you also cover immigration <laughs> stuff a lot, yes, right? Yes. So one thing that's interesting to me is I want is, is that there are right, other right. things going on on this planet besides this. Uh, ongoing presidential scandal uh, storm sweeping Yikes. through Washington. So what do you got for me on immigration front? What's new in that world? So where we are on immigration right now is that there are kind of things that are bubbling up that might potentially happen in future, which is just kind of rumor world. And then there's family separation, which is still it's the family separation policy has ended. But because of the, you know, people because at one point, over 2,500 families were separated and have not all been reunited, uh, despite the judge's deadline in the federal court case that was filed over this that did result in, you know, 2,000 or so families being reunited, but the rest of them not. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're kind of in end game on that, but the end game is A, not yet resulting in the reunification of all families, and B, raising some real questions about Uh, What happened during the months that this policy was in full effect and what, you know, what that meant for people's rights and also the administration. Break it down. Their kids still have not been reunited with their parents. Their parents still don't know where their kids are. Yeah, we're talking about a bit over 500. Slightly over 500 families. So that is an ongoing crisis still. Yeah. It's the reason that this gets complicated is that it's not that the government is just holding 500 families and refusing to, you know, let them see their kids. What's happening is that the government has said, look, these are families who it's particularly hard to reunite or who we have decided it's a bad deal. It's a bad idea to reunite or who signed papers saying it's okay if I don't see my child again. It's okay if I go back to my home country and my child stays in the U.S. because the independent, when they were separated, the child was put in an independent court process that has a better likelihood of them ultimately being able to stay. Okay. So, you know, one of the questions that's come up in the aftermath of this is what happens once children are reunited with their parents, do they get to stay in that process? Do they have to get sent back to their home country because their parent has been ordered deported? Who makes that decision? Um in a few, in over a hundred cases, parents already said it's okay if my child stays in the U.S. and I go back. Those parents, many of them, are now saying, "I didn't understand what I was signing. I was told that if I signed a signed a paper allowing myself to get deported, I would see my child again." You know, th- they were not informed. There was also, you know, a case that I wrote about that happened last month where parents were told that they had to sign papers saying that their child would get deported with them. And if they refused and said, no, I really want my child to be able to stay in the U.S., they were separated from their children again without being able to say goodbye or anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are lots of stories that the kind of, even though ostensibly on paper, a parent is waiving a right to do X or Y, in practice, that choice is being coerced out of them. And so that has resulted in... The government saying, well, these don't count as families we have to reunite. They've already waived their rights. Or in about 400 cases, although some of those overlap with the waivers, uh, the parent has already been deported. Uh, 
in about 350 cases, there was no waiver of rights. The parent got deported anyway. And now the question is, whose job is it to find those parents mm -hmm. and ask them what they want for their kids? The government has said that it's the job of the ACLU and non-governmental organizations to do it. The ACLU says, are you freaking kidding us? We can't, you know, we have networks, but we can't do this on their own. Last night, they filed, uh, both the government and the ACLU kind of filed updates, and the ACLU's update said that many of the phone numbers that the government gave them saying this is where we think deported parents are mm -hmm. uh, don't work or no one was there or they can't reach anybody. It's it. They're coming to even though this is, you know, again, I say we're in endgame here. We're talking about a population of 400 out of, you know, 2600 or so. It's it is diminishing, but it's not clear how much it's going to continue diminishing just because no one really knows how you get to a large number of those 400 separated parents and hmm. the kind of questions about coercion are kind of overlapping with that, right? Because that has implications for what happens w once those parents are contacted, what rights do they have? Are they, you know, the ACLU says that some of them should be allowed to come back to the U.S. while their children are still going through the court process because the kids have a right to stay, you know, to have their parents And the kids, are, being, are, the kids are still in shelters now? They're in... Uh, the... Some of them in foster care in in cases where the government it doesn't think that they can reach parents in particular, the kids are are often being placed in like medium term foster care or in Office of Refugee Resettlement shelters. The government isn't counting cases where they've placed the child with a relative who's not their parent. That is essentially counting as a reunification. And that does happen to a lot of kids who come across the border without parents. So it's possible that like some kids are not with their parents, but are with aunts or uncles or cousins. Um, but there are, you know, there are cases in which kids were kind of placed very quickly with foster parents or, or you know foster families mm -hmm. there are lots of cases in which parents were told that their child having been taken away from them was just going to be adopted uh one of the more recent court filings has charged that one mother was like spent her asylum interview asking the asylum officer where her child was uh and the asylum officer just said watch the news hmm. um it, We've known for a while that there wasn't really information about where about how parents and kids could get in touch with each other. What we're beginning to see over the last couple of weeks are two things. We're seeing, you know, kind of confirmation that the government did not not only didn't have a plan in place, but didn't see it as a problem. That there wasn't a plan. Jonathan Blitzer of The New Yorker did wrote a piece this week where he interviewed a government official who's kind of witnessed a lot of this. And the official said that. No one thought this was going to be a big deal. They thought that families were going to be separated. The kids were going to be put into, you know, sent to the Office of Refugee Resettlement to be treated as if they'd come across the border alone. Mm -hmm. The parents would get deported and no one would make a big deal out of it. And they were really surprised that it turned out a large swath of the American public thought it was not cool to separate families who had come to the U.S. together. Mm -hmm. um, that's not that's not great given that the trump administration at the time was saying this is only a temporary situation that they were saying like you know we're just we're temporarily doing this because we can't keep parents and kids together in criminal custody and you know we have to send the parents to criminal custody if they were saying that you know on the externally but internally thought it was thought that the outcome was going to be permanent separation that's kind of 
a consequence that wasn't getting presented at the time. So we're still kind of in the middle of a lot of that stuff is still going on. We are, but and it's, it's not a little bit off the media radar now because of all this other stuff. But that's, well, and also because it's not clear how you fix it, right? Like the the lawsuits that have been filed on kind of coercing parents. One of them. This is I a huge. I mean, so a huge mess was created. Yeah. And cleaning up this huge mess has been proven extremely difficult. Right. And it's been extremely difficult both because, like, it's really hard to generate records after the fact when you didn't keep them at the time. And because people who aren't in the U.S. don't have a lot of rights. Mm -hmm. People who are in the U.S. but who are going through the asylum process, like, there's not a lot of judicial oversight of that. It's really well established that you don't get to appeal your asylum claim to a you know, to a federal judge. Got it. So, you know, the the fam- some of these families have kind of had to sue under a provision to stop the entire policy. And if even if they win that suit, that's just like 30 families. You know, it's not clear what happens to the other hundreds of families who had to go through the same process, who, you know, failed interviews because they didn't understand where their children were and couldn't answer the questions. I got to wrap you up. But Dara Lind from Vox, read it, follow it. The woman has a trained cat, people. What more do you need to know? <laughs> Bill Press Show. Hey, friends. Don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Press show. This is the Bill Press Show. I'm Evan McMorris Santoro from Vice News, and I'm reassembling myself because our next guest, Ryan Riley of Huffington Post, Huff Post, I guess we call it now, right? That's right. Yeah. Huff Post. Ryan Riley of Huff Post brought in. This has been a day of surprises. I learned today about a trained cat, and now I've met Zoe. 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 Riley, Ryan's child, which is not no longer in the studio, but was here. I had to take the. This is the cutest kid you've ever seen. She's walking around. She's got a like a giant lei, like a necklace lei. She's got an alien. It's very, very cute. Very, very cute. We're just daughter. finding random toys to give to her. <laughs> oh, I hope you're okay oh, with that, Ryan. Oh, wait, 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 wait. She's just holding random things that you found around just, this yeah. radio studio? Yeah, a radio studio, which is horrible. I can't. Uh, what is that? Yeah, so sorry Here, kid, about that. Uh, have some. have a set of cans. <laughs> yeah, what, do, what do you want? We let her push the button. Yeah, there you go. It's clean enough. It's clean enough in here. <laughs> we, oh, oh look, God. Look, oh, here we go. Here's my, uh, my, uh, my, from, here. uh, from, the, from the wire. Love that. Here you go. Yeah. Ta- here, take this copy of, um, take this copy of, uh, of, uh, of Bill O'Reilly's book we got <laughs> yeah. as a, a, a review copy. We're going to teach her how to read. We're going to show her what a Bill's. Yeah. We're going to no, Don't resale. go, don't resale. <laughs> we're going to give her what a, see this on eBay afterwards. <laughs> we were going to give her one of Bill's books. And, uh, if she's got $20, we'll, we'll let her take it home. There you go. <laughs> 
That's right. She's, she's out. What do you think we're gonna give it away? No, she's gonna have to pay for it. It's a, it's a, it's a hard lesson to learn. But listen, you're gonna love the kid. You're you're two years old. Two years old. Two and a half. Two and a half two years and old. Half. You're gonna love the stuff about CNN in the late nineties. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you. Say, when we get. Did you say Bob Novak? Can you, <laughs> <laughs> we want to talk about the final days of Crossfire, kids. You're going to love yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. Good. So a great place for kids. Ryan, thank you for bringing her in. Sure. Uh, she's She is uh, a, a beautiful light, and uh, she doesn't care about anything that's going on because she shouldn't. Correct. She's a child. I did uh, I did teach her to say I'm Manafort is going to prison, so that was... <laughs> and she accurately predicted right. that, so... Other than that... <laughs> Child Protective Services is on its way. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! You can't look at that kid. This okay. Hopefully, maybe, maybe we'll, you we'll and the audience the will we'll meet bring her. her at the end. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about. I don't know. I mean, let's just keep talking about that. I don't know why we talk about. <laughs> else. Um, so Ryan, you cover the Justice Department. Slowby these days, and I feel like this must have been the craziest week that you've ever been there. I couldn't. It was literally Manafort was. I couldn't believe Manafort was sentenced this week. That was the thing that happened this week. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy. You thought so, because let's just go through it, okay? Because we have both the now current president's war mm-hmm. on the Justice Department, yeah. and then also prior to that, the Justice Department actually doing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. In terms of convicting people in yeah. the Trump orbit. Yep. And getting confessions. Um. We have to take a break in a, in a little while, but before we get into that, let's just sort of set the scene up, and then we'll talk yeah. about it when you get back. Yeah. So, uh, Peter, I know we did it last hour, but like, is this a new hour? It's mm-hmm. a new hour. It's yeah. a new hour of the show. So mm-hmm. let's just play a bit of what the president on his own attorney general sounds like right now. Yeah, all right. So th- this, is, this is him talking about Jeff Sessions. Here it is. Even my enemies say that Jeff Sessions should have told you that he was going to recuse himself, and then you wouldn't have put him in. He took the job, and then he said, I'm going to recuse myself. I said, what kind of a man is this? (laughs) That's Trump, (laughs) by the way, not talking about, you know, a political opponent, really. He's the attorney general... That third he appointed man from Congress to support him. Who came right? Third man from Congress to support First him. First two have been indicted. <laughs> third one. <laughs> <laughs> who also was a huge fundraiser for him, did rallies for him, was a key part of his campaign, yep. and is now. This is a remarkable time to be in, to be sitting inside this. Which you do. You sit inside the Justice Department quite often. Yeah, on occasion. <laughs> so what's it like in there these days? So it's like give me an overview, and then we're gonna come back and talk about All right. it. It's it's been weird. I mean, yeah, it's a weird. It's it's been a weird beat in general. We're gonna get into how weird it is <laughs> when we come back with the Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. How is your mom? How, 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 how's your fam doing? Your life. Oh, I'm back. Guys, <laughs> okay, here's the thing. <laughs> this is the Bill Press Show. I'm Evan McMartin Santoro, and here's the deal, folks. This starts very early in the morning for me. <laughs> and also, Ryan Riley's a person I've known for a long, long time. And because of our busy schedules, <laughs> and because of the amount of work we both put in to bring journalism to you, we don't see each other very much. <laughs> and so when Ryan comes in, 
I'm trying to ask him about his family. His beautiful daughter is here. His amazing wife is not here because she's getting you know some nice time off, and I'm I'm trying to catch up with him. So. Frankly, you are the one. <laughs> How dare you? At home. How that should be you? upset for interrupting me. That's Not me for coming back from a bumper terribly <laughs> and disrupting you, the people who just tuned in to get informed from Bill Press, one of the most consummate broadcasters in America. <laughs> and you're and you're sitting there at home being like, who is this clown that's replaced him today? Really, you're the one who, who, should, who should be apologizing to me. So I'll take those apologies on Twitter at Evan McSam. Thank you very much. Ryan, okay. All right. Let's get back to it. You were talking about how weird um, things are inside the DOJ right now. Yeah, I mean, it's just bizarre. Because um, it's like every day you wake up and it's like a new tweet from the President of the United States, you know, against his attorney general. It's it's sometimes like you have to like pinch. It's like there's times we'll have discussions like, oh, it's just Trump attacking his attorney general once again. Like, is this a story? Like, right. It's just so constant that it's like it becomes this like little bit of a. It messes with you where you're just yeah. like, no, this is like really, really strange where you live in very strange times. So what exactly um, is the view from inside the DOJ? We, the, a pretty remarkable statement came out from the DOJ yesterday Yeah, uh, in response to essentially that clip that we heard from, from Fox and Friends yeah. before the break. Um, tell me a bit about the statement and sort of how weird it or how where it sort of fits in with uh, Trump and his own DOJ. Yeah, I mean, so if you look at the relationship between Trump and Sessions, so, I mean, over, you know, people have been right, have already had their pre-written Jeff Sessions get fi- gets fired slash resigned stories going for over a year now, right? Like, because he offered up his resignation, like, over a year ago at this point. Um, it wasn't accepted. You know, he he stayed on. But, like, there's, a, there's a basically a fundamental, you know, disconnect because you have an attorney general who is very effectively, actually, implementing the president's agenda but won't just doesn't want to do that whole cur- like outright corruption thing where he shuts down investigations you know legitimate investigations because of their people associated with the president right not not willing to go that far he's a guy who's like you know say what you will about Jeff Sessions he's a guy who respects that sort of division between the White House and and DOJ for the most part right mm-hmm. he like he's he's been you know in DOJ for a while he started out as a line prosecutor talks about that time like it's like you know, the good old days back in the 80s when he was a, you know, uh, <laughs> a U.S. attorney in uh, Alabama. Like, you know, he's a judicial the, system the guy. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was a he was a he was a prosecutor. Right. He tried to become a judge. He couldn't get that that job. Correct. Senate wouldn't confirm him. Yeah. And now he's the leader of the Justice Department. Yeah. And, you know, Senator Jeff Sessions had Obama been doing with, you know, say, Eric Holder, what? Trump is doing now would have been outraged. I mean, like that would have been lines crossed. This is this is outrageous. The the uh, the president of the United States shouldn't be leaning on the attorney general like that and trying to get him to sway the investigation. So this statement yesterday, you know, we finally saw a little bit of a backbone from Jeff Sessions. If I, you know, he's coming under attack constantly uh, from Trump. And now we actually have a statement that says, you know, OK, yeah, I took control. I I had control of DOJ. I you know, know what's going on. Um, and yeah, so a little bit of a little bit of backbone. while I am attorney general. Yeah. The actions of the Department of Justice will not be improperly influenced by political considerations. Correct. I demand the highest standards. Where they are not met, I take action. However, no nation has more talented, more dedicated group of law enforcement investigators and prosecutors in the United States. So those first two sentences, when I'm Attorney General, the actions of the Department of Justice will not be improperly influenced by political considerations. That's Donald Trump he's talking about. The president that appointed him. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's the, who's asking him to what to get, to get rid of this investigation, unrecuse himself, yeah. and then 
shut do what fire shut, shut, it, down. shut, it, down. shut, shut it down shut it down shut it down yeah i think that's what that's what he wants and i think that there's a lot like especially with the way that trump talks about the justice department as though it's his possession and his to like control completely i think it's been like throwing people off a little bit about like how this dynamic is supposed to work there the white house can implement is sort of a broad agenda to the justice department perfectly above board perfectly fine um, you know, a lot of people may disagree with that agenda, but like there's things that you can do within the bounds and say, this is what we're going to prioritize, you know, set out prosecutorial um, priorities, say this is what we're going to emphasize, this is what we're not going to care so much about. You, there's there's certain things you can do like legally within those bounds. What you shouldn't be doing is for individual investigations, ha like having the White House play a role or, you know, in deciding individual investigations, because then we're not really talking about, you know, legitimate prosecutions here. We're talking about people being uh, prosecuted because of their political beliefs or talking about, you know, people being either let go or targeted because of their... Which, in theory, we don't like that. Right, but, like, <laughs> in theory, but that's... But it's not, like, this is something that, like, had it been happening behind the scenes instead of on Twitter, it would be, like, a huge scandal, right? If, right. if the president was like, oh, let's, like, investigate this person, like, it, yeah. no, that's not what you're supposed to do with the OJ. But what are we to make of it? I mean, is it just kind of a dance? Like, it's just kind of a thing that, like, Trump says his thing to Sessions and Sessions says his thing back, but, like... Sessions hasn't quit. Sessions could quit. He hasn't quit. He hasn't. But I mean, like, this is what I mean. This is this is what he's wanted. I mean, what else was he going to do? I don't. I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, this is a fantastic job for Jeff Sessions because right. he shares so many of it's what Trump's he's values. His whole life with this is a swan song. You know, he like wants to. You know, but yeah. not like that. But like, this is like the things he really likes to do. Yeah. With the DOJ. Yeah. Uh, you know, ramp up the drug war. Yeah. Um, put a lot of people in jail for a long period <laughs> of time. Um, not investigate police departments. Immigration, yeah. bolster the law enforcement, just sort of have law enforcement's back no matter what. Yep. That's Trump stuff. Yeah. That's Trump stuff. So it's well, not to like be, to be clear. this battle between the two men is actually a battle over sort of the ideology of what the DOJ should do. No. It's simply an argument over whether or not the president should be investigated for... Uh, or, something that he precipitated when he fired the uh, the FBI director and then went on television and said he fired him because he was investigating him. Right. Yeah. Correct? Correct. Okay. <laughs> this, just to be clear. Um, so let's talk a bit about some of the things that we saw just because, like, I don't follow the legal stuff as, as closely as you. And could you help me understand, like, put, it, put into place, like, what we've seen? Because this has been a week of... Um, People being convicted of crimes, mm -hmm. confessing to crimes, flipping, you know, flipping, as we say, like like agreeing, yeah. you know, to take immunity and become uh, government witnesses. What's happening? Like, what does this all mean to you when you watch all this stuff happening? I mean, right now, I think that the certainly the Manafort investigation isn't the bigger threat to the presidency right now. I think the that the, the Cohen investigation really is that, or the you know, the so Cohen going to a federal courthouse and saying, I confess to the stuff that I did. Right. The, just to be clear, the president of the United States this week was named as Individual One in a, in, you know. Yeah, what's the line from the thing? Individual One, who then became president of the United, United States. States. Yeah. Who knows? I, my favorite is the, the honor redacting. about language. The honor about January. Just We don't know. I mean, January 20th is too specific. Very strong redaction. Um, but so, yeah. What do you want to unmask that? Do you have a redaction joke, uh, Peter? No, no, no. A redaction, redaction comment? No. No, um, not me. But, uh. So, but when we look at this, so why is the Cohen thing you think a bigger deal? I mean, I think it exposes the president directly. The Manafort case isn't really like 
it doesn't have a direct tie to the president, right? He probably has inf- that's not true. He actually has information probably for the uh, broader investigation that would be of value. And right now, by signaling that he's that Trump signaling sort of that you know don't worry about it, Manafort, you're going to get pardoned. Um, you know, you could read that as interfering in an ongoing investigation because right now, even though it's post conviction, there's still it's it's it doesn't happen all the time, but there's still an opportunity for prosecutors and the defendant to like you know all right you got it. like Manafort seems to be like all right you got me. Here, here's a deal, you know. I can give you the president of the United States. Let's work on it. Let's work on a deal. Even though he's already been convicted, it could be about his sentencing and what posture they're going to take in his sentencing. Yeah. Um, but the president, on the other hand, has a bigger card to play, which is, don't worry about all of it. I'll just pardon you for all of these crimes. <laughs> um, so it's you know, and, we, and there was some. There's, there's been some reporting this week that he talked about doing with Manafort to pardon Manafort. People said yeah. it was just too bad. He could definitely have done it. He yeah. could still do it. Right. But he just the, the the politics are very bad. Right. So the thing that to keep us above board that, you know, Trump is a threat of with the look at the James Comey situation. Right. There is this cover story that firing James Comey was about yada, 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 even though it was about the Russian investigation. So what he, I mean, their, their cover story, to be clear, was that uh, the FBI treated Hillary Clinton unfairly, which wasn't a line that Trump was so willing to adopt. Yeah. But right. in this scenario, what they have to do in order to keep this sort of above board is to be able to say that, like, look, this isn't about, you know, the, uh, the investigation. I just I, I'm very you know familiar with the details of, um, of federal probes. And I think there are some parts of this probe that were inappropriate. You know, he's getting charged in two courts, even though he, you know, he waived, he wouldn't refuse to waive jurisdiction. So that's why there's two separate things. You can bring up all these things about the prosecution, right? You could say, oh, nobody ever gets charged with, you know, Foreign Registration Act thing. Actually kind of a fair point. You know, some sure, of the- It's sort of one of those laws that like, it, may, it makes a lot of people rich. Right. So they don't charge you with it. Right. And like the tax stuff, like, would this normally be charged? Not on every scenario, right? So you have to, but they have to, they have to keep it, keep it on the up and up. You have to insist it's about that. The threat is that Trump is going to somehow screw that up. Mm-hmm. But are we getting any sort of indication? I mean, like, this is, you know, when we talk about the Mueller investigation and people always like complain like how long it's taking or whatever. Yeah. Like, this, this is all like Mueller investigation stuff. Big things are being done. Yeah. Right? I mean, he's pro- he's now prosecuted the president's campaign chair. Mm-hmm. His personal lawyer has now confessed to stuff. I mean... Yeah. The smart thing that they did, I think, is actually transfer that up to the Southern District of New York because that's more protected. Now that's not about the Mueller investigation. There's like a line there, right? You know, that that's sort of... And we saw some reporting today that there might be new stuff coming, like state charges in New York. Did you see anything about this? Does yeah. that and, and and that is stuff that Trump couldn't pardon anybody on. Correct. Yeah. yeah so that sort of. So I mean, do you have any sort of sense from the sort of fullness of it, of what we've seen, whether or not uh, this is you know this Mueller investigation is you know extremely bad for the White House or is just not that big a deal? I mean, are we getting a sense of like how like how intense this is? It's not great. I mean, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think that I think that I mean what really matters is that is what Congress does about it, right? Because I mean that's really going to be the end line here. I think that Mueller is going to follow the protocol at DOJ and not actually indict the president. I don't think that's that's going to happen. We're going to see some sort of report. So it really matters what. You know, members of the House and members of the Senate actually, you know, um, care about this, you know, what they what they do about it. And I think that Republicans, you know, obviously have been very hesitant to speak up up until this point. So, you know, the midterms are going to matter a lot, really. That's really where it's going to come down to. Peter, what do you think? Do you have any do you have any more like saucy audio to play along with this fantastic DOJ conversation that we're having? Well, I did want to talk about the uh, latest with uh, his friend Pecker, his friend Pecker. (laughs) 
his friend Pecker, which is now the latest wrinkle in some of this uh, in some of this stuff, the secret vault and all of it. Can right? I just say? You wait. We had. Can I just? I've been sitting again, on that all can show. I no, again, hold on. Can I just again just talk about what, I, what, I, what I've been thrust into today? <laughs> we had a button all day that, that would say he has pet. He, yeah. His friend Pecker. Yeah. Could, I could have played that <laughs> all day. day. I'm sorry. I could have played I that a hundred times. His friend Pecker. Yeah. The debate for that. Uh, folks, his name is Pecker. The I think that's his name, that's folks. His name. Folks. That folks. I didn't, make it up. <laughs> I didn't. I don't know these names. That's what he comes to me. His name is Pecker. His the, friend Pecker. <laughs> the debate within HuffPost over our splash yesterday. <laughs> so intense. What, what What did you eventually oh go? Oh, my gosh. What, tell um, me tell what, what eventually happened. Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm going to blank on what we... There, I mean, there's so many ways you can go with this. Just, there's two... There's endless... I mean... A lot of stuff that could get people into a lot of trouble. How to become public? Yeah, very serious. <laughs> We're going to be dealing with the, P- the HR consequences of that conversation. Very serious, <laughs> important stuff is happening in the government. But also, you can have a button that says his friend Pecker. <laughs> Come on, folks. I mean, Trump lost Pecker. I mean, yeah, it's Trump <laughs> lost. Pecker. Yeah. It is 8 18 hey. in the morning, folks. On the, it's 8 18 on the East Coast, and we're Pe- talking about <laughs> Donald Trump and his red Pecker. Pecker exposes. Um, this is a new thing because because what this is is that this is another part that's this is like basically all the structures that the president uh, or or that allegedly have been built right. to that, that the president uses to that the president allegedly used before he was president to keep um, stories he didn't like yeah. out of the news yeah right it was essentially Michael Cohen gave money to the National Enquirer run by yeah <laughs> Peter. <laughs> His friend Pecker. Correct. It was run by National Enquirer, run by his friend Pecker. Yep. Um, And then that money would be used to buy a story from a person, the exclusive rights to the story, and then never publish it. Yeah. And so now that that parts are coming coming unraveled too, right? Like now that now that Pecker has flipped. Yeah. And Pecker's been offered immunity from what? For prosecution, I mean, yeah, he's like, you know, he he would be exposed to several criminal charges. But I think that the thing that's interesting here is that Trump doesn't actually understand that at all campaign finance law, which actually might protect him because when he had that Fox and Friends interview, he was saying that this wasn't campaign money; this is all above, you know, above board. He, it's just my it's, money, it's a, right? Which is like the crime, right? The, like the the crime <laughs> is that you used your money for campaign purposes, like right? It do, like had you like donate, had you self funded, had you donated to your own campaign and you know routed this through the campaign and then paid off, you know, the porn star and paid off. Um, the Playboy model that could be above board. The problem is, is that would have been public. The entire, yeah, the entire point of paying them off would have been, you know, sort of for not because I mean, you could have hit. If you were smart about, it, you could have hit it like through some like you know third party or something, um, you know, or paid through a law firm or something. But like it still would have. If they were smart about, it. right? So I mean, that's that, that's the actual problem is that like that they did this outside of the campaign structure and that you know so they're again the cover story that they're blowing up. The cover story that you should have for this is that. Oh, this was I would have paid this off anyway. This wasn't about the campaign. Whatever. It may not be actual, you know, tough to believe that story, but you actually have to insist that this is all just about protecting my personal relationship and uh, my personal reputation, reputation and you know, protecting my wife or something of that nature. You can't admit it's about the campaign, which it obviously was. Right, but but the and but the other part about this is too is that, you know, sort of lost in all that is essentially the admission by the president that this did actually happen. That like that, that 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 like you know, these women allege yeah. uh, that they had affairs with him, and he paid them off not to talk about it publicly. Yeah. And that's what he said. So, but, so the argument now is over whether or not those payments cost some sort of, cost some sort of right. political line or, or some sort of legal line. Right. 
But politically, this is actually out there. Yep. This is the actual president of the United States saying this is exactly how I did things. Yep. And people just sort of feel like, I, I guess sort of get, you, you get the sense from it that people just sort of think, well, that's kind of a very kind of like traditionally like Trump kind of thing, I guess, so we right. don't care. But that's actually been admitted now. Yeah. So the argument is over whether or not he violated campaign law, but you're saying he kind of admitted that he kind of did if he right. said it was for... Right. Now, he might be able to make a mens rea argument at this point and say, like, well, he didn't know. I mean, which is fair, right? He didn't know. The problem is that, like, the people who, like— Wait, so you can just plead, like, I'm just—you can just plead ignorance on something like this? This sort of charge, it's complicated. I think, that, like, right, the John Edwards case is the really one that comes up here where, you know, that, that has a lot of similarities about the payoff because John Edwards' argument was that this wasn't about the campaign. This was it. So if he—and that sort of worked with a juror. With a this juror. is when John Edwards had— uh, who's a president? Who's a candidate for president? Had an affair with his videographer, right? Riley Hunter. Was that <laughs> her name? Riel? Riel. Riel Hunter. Riel Hunter. Riel Hunter. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Her cousin is named Real Madrid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, from Spain. It's a little international <laughs> soccer humor <laughs> for you, folks. Yeah. His friend Pecker. <laughs> Yeah, Bill's gone. Yeah, Bill's gone. Yeah. Friday in August, you know. Yeah. yeah, Bill's gone. This is what happens. Bill's like, I'm going to, I'm going, I'm going to California, folks. folks. What's going to happen, folks? I'm going to the West Coast. You know what's going to happen? His friend Pecker is going to get played over and over and over again on the show. Um, so looking ahead, okay. Yep. The next couple of weeks, next couple, I mean, next month, let's say. Yeah. What is someone like you looking at, paying attention to, yep. that people should also pay attention to? Uh, everything. I mean, yeah, there's going to be, I mean, the next few months are going to be important. I think that, you know, that what happens with that final report is going to be really important. Um, you know, I think that that's what we're going to end up with the Mueller report, just not actually, you know, whether it's sent to Congress or how exactly that happens. I think at this point we're looking after the midterms. Um, but I mean, so the midterms are really what's going to be important here. I think that's actually going to be, um, what decides all of this because, you know, it's been so clear at this point that a lot of Republicans are just going to go along with this no matter what happens you know we it, congress I, I guess luckily for them was out you know this week so we don't have as many um <laughs> or most of the week so we don't have as many quotes from them or don't have this ability to like, senators were them. around senators, yeah, senators were, were around, around. but they, they, yeah. the congress people the people in the house were not around correct yeah right they're so, out because they're on vacation right so slash like, campaigning for their lives yeah so i mean that's like you know when they come back and it's going to be like okay this latest thing and you know are they actually going to care about this thing right because i mean it, you, you you flip this well, around well because that's the important thing this is the important thing to remember eventually this all becomes and i mentioned this at the top of the show but eventually this all becomes a political conversation right. because the reality is you know this is what this is what happens with with scandals involving the presidency right. that yes there is the part where the the legal guys do their work yeah. and they and 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 they do court cases and they do investigations along legal means and they you know get their witnesses and all that stuff but yeah. then it gets tossed over right. to becoming a political conversation essentially the impeachment if it were to happen is a bill that gets passed yep. and then there's this sort of wild process in the Senate the Senate trial thing where yep. like the the chief justice of the supreme court presides and then there's like prosecutors and defense attorneys that are senators as well right. but that is of course also a political process too in the end it's senators voting on a thing right yeah and i mean like so that's what it is about is muddying the waters on this and making it more complicated and you know throwing out all these accusations about the investigation and how it's unfair yada yada and like so and they've convinced a significant number of republican voters at this point that this is all just you know a witch hunt and 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 that this is unfair and that this is there's nothing actually there's nothing to this right so if you they they've done an effective job of you know really lowering public um public perception of the FBI and the justice department do you think um 
Jeff Sessions will be Attorney General in February of 2019. Mm. Do, do you think he's actually going to walk out of this job? I don't think he walked. I mean, do you think he might get canned? I, so Grassley yesterday indicated, like, which Grassley had sort of, you know, been on his side obviously before he right. worked, worked with him. Um, they had a little bit of an issue last year with Sessions weighing in on a uh, on a uh, criminal justice reform bill that he didn't that Grassley didn't think he should have weighed in on. Um, but you know, I think that we saw sort of a, a change yesterday, and that Grassley wasn't as willing to um, you know defend him and said that you know maybe it's time for a new attorney general. You know, I don't have time. He said basically he said that they could hold a confirmation hearing essentially, um, you know, after the midterms. So I think that that's a possibility here. I mean, yeah, I don't think that certainly. I mean, this can't you know last forever. There's a real break here. And again, if that were to happen, a, a new attorney general could just can the whole Mueller thing anytime you want it. Yeah, to. if you want to go down to that guy in history, if they, you know, I mean, which maybe you know they could. Um, Scott Pruitt, I think, would probably would have been willing to do it. <laughs> Maybe AG Rudy Giuliani. So, yeah, there you go. Maybe he has experience. AG Trump's friend, his friend Pecker. Correct. <laughs> there we go. AG Pecker. I don't think um, you actually technically have to be a lawyer. To, yeah, that might work. You know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, um, all right. Well, so. What else are you working on? What else is going on in the DOJ? I mean, the DOJ is very busy these days. So, so we have a little bit of time left, and what, and I've been asking everybody who came in. I, you know, I had Dara Lind in here, and we talked a lot about DOJ stuff as well. Obviously, you cover it like like nonstop. But what else is going on that you're covering? I mean, one of the interesting things is we saw the return of criminal justice reform to the conversation yesterday, right? I mean, like the president uh, had meetings yeah. about it with I guess Jeff Sessions attended yeah. awkwardly. That was an issue that we felt had some bipartisan push mm -hmm. at the end of the Obama administration. Yeah. What, what's what's going on with that now? I'd say, so definitely delayed until after the midterms. I mean, this was sort of, it was interesting because this bill was a situation where, you know, liberals weren't fully on board with it. They wanted more, but there was a really big debate sort of within the criminal justice reform community about whether or not to support this sort of half measure um, and a lot of divisions there. So I think that this was something that could get revisited after the midterms. But I feel like we've had this conversation about, oh, this is finally going to be the time for criminal justice reform. Um, and I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I mean, who knows what's going to happen after the midterms, right? It's going to it be still a has bit... a bipartisan backing to some degree. It does. But like a guy like Grassley has, for the most part, been opposed, but now he's sort of maybe changing his tone a little bit yeah. on it. I mean, on the other hand, you have the president saying that, you know, flip, I mean, you know, <laughs> that flipping should be illegal, right? So, I mean, like, that's, I, it's sort of all over the place. It's but once again, this is an issue where, like, the Koch brothers, of all people, and the ACLU, of all people, this point, are kind of on the like same the side. Brothers, yeah. Right. And they're all sort of been talking about it for years, and the idea that, you know, uh, trying to sort of empty out some of the federal prisons and change some of the sentencing guidelines, get rid of mandatory minimum sentences, um... Those efforts, that, that all basically went away when Trump became president and Jeff Sessions, a hard opponent of all of this, yeah. became attorney general. But now maybe that might be – it might be changing. I mean, do you have any – probably not. Right. It was a fight. I mean, it's a, it's a fight between Sessions and Jared Kushner essentially. Um, so, you know, someone who's – has his own exposure in you know in certain ways and you know might have a self-interest in talking about prison reform to a certain extent. Um, All right. Well, I'll let that one go. I'm not going to get involved in that. But I mean, but but it is true that like this has been an issue where Democrats thought that they could actually have or, I mean, sorry that there are some conservatives thought they could actually have a play 
to, you know, uniting with Democrats and doing something very bipartisan on this. Yeah, I mean, they could, but it's, I mean, it depends what, you know, Trump really decides to do after the midterms here. I think that, you know, he, we don't know where he's going to do with this. We don't, it's unclear. I think that, you know, obviously he has a lot of issues with the criminal justice system in general now, but I think that that, those, he probably, I mean, does he actually care about this happening to, you know, low-level drug dealers? Maybe not so much. I mean, you know, unless Kim Kardashian is championing their cause, it's probably not someone that he's really, you know, has that much of a connection to. He's more about the flipping Got it. of his own aides. Yeah. So uh, who is Zoe's favorite U.S. attorney? <laughs> <laughs> bring her in and ask her. I'm Let's sure bring her in if a... we have time. That's uh, that's uh, that's, that's Ryan's two-year-old daughter. They went down the hall. Ryan's two-year-old daughter, she has no interest in this, <laughs> which makes sense. Yeah, Adorable. She, she came in earlier. In she just very, very clearly. Does she have favorite color yet? She just what? She just turned her nose up and said, no, I don't want to go in. Does, go does, in. She, does she have favorite color yet? Um, I, I guess, blue. I don't know. I'm not sure. Great, great. Actually, it's a very refreshing visit to the studio because I've got, I've got a smelly teenager. <laughs> and like having a young two-and-a-half-year-old full of brightness and sweetness I mean, it re- is amazing. It really was like a huge lift. It's like remarkable. Yeah. She comes in here. She's just got these beautiful big eyes. Yeah. She's just happy to be out. She's holding an alien. She's a great time. <laughs> She's having the time of right. life. That's right. And we're like, we got a button that says... <laughs> His friend Pecker. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like this. Smartest gal in the world. The room. children are our future, <laughs> and I wish the future would come. Yeah. Is my point. All right. Uh, Evan McMurray Santoro with the Bill Press Show. Ryan Riley was our guest from HuffPost. Always follow him. He is like one of the best justice reporters in America. Um, at Ryan J. Riley. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Thanks for bringing Zoe in. Definitely. All right. We'll be back with more Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show, final half hour. I am Evan McMorris-Santoro of Vice News, and joining me for this final half hour is my fellow correspondent behind the premium cable paywall, (laughs) Alex Jaffe. Good morning, Evan. How are you, Alex? I'm doing all right. It's good to see you again. The extremely weird thing about this is that this is about the longest conversation that we've had during a workday. For a long time, because we're always on the road it's for you, true. America. I, I saw him yesterday, and I, I just didn't want to have it. It was like I wasn't in the mood. Every night on mood. HBO, 7.30 p.m., you can see either me or Alex Jaffe talking, standing in front of a building, talking about what's going on inside that building. It's brilliant. Watch. Wonderful. It's a great show. Um, all right, Alex. You have been doing some really good reporting lately, and we're you know we're, I think we've talked enough about Trump and the DOJ and Sessions and everything. Oh. So we're going to talk about something going on, just more more midterm-y Congress things. Things are happening outside of the world. You, you did a great story this week for our show about this notion that the president's conversation about t- attacking the news media, which of course he does. I've mm-hmm. been to Trump rallies. You've been to Trump rallies. And every Trump rally now has this part where he sort of turns and says the media back there in the press pen is terrible and the crowd turns around, they boo and they scream fake news or CNN sucks or something like that. And then they asked Jim Acosta for his autograph. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I was there for that one where I was sitting there in Tampa, Florida, and uh, the people are coming up to Jim Acosta and they're asking him to sign things like MAGA hats and stuff, and they want him to sign fake news. And 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 Akasi goes well. Also, through the looking Akasi goes well. I'll sign real news. Oh, but like he's actually very gracious about it. It's very nice, and um, Akasi handles it pretty well. Yeah. And then and then some people yell at him and are really like weird and nasty, and he handles them pretty well too. Right. Anyway, this has been 
part of the Trump mantra for a very long time. Very long time. It's almost since the beginning how bad the media is. It is now sort of with the new scandals that have come around Trump, he talks endlessly about how the media is ginning it up. It's not true. It's fake. It's fake news. This has matriculated down through the system, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So I was in Fresno reporting on Devin Nunes and his use of fake news against the Fresno Bee. It's a tiny little newspaper. It has like 18 reporters on staff. It's got a circulation of 60,000 a day. Um, But Devin Nunes spent enough money to put a two-minute ad on television calling the paper fake news over this pretty salacious story. Um, And when I first saw this ad, I was like, is this story bothering him? But when we got down there, we figured out that that was not the issue. We can get into that. But the story was about a winery he's invested in and a lawsuit against the winery alleging that uh, investors of the winery went on a charity cruise and did cocaine and picked prostitutes and then judged their sexual acts. Um, what? So Nunes wasn't alleged to be on it. Okay, and the winery right. said he had nothing to do with it. Let me give, put out that disclaimer. Wait a disclaimer minute. now. You, you okay. didn't read the story? You didn't see this? No, of course I saw it. But I'm, but, but I'm, I'm, just, saying, but I'm, I'm just saying the winery. Right. Has investors. Well, in the lawsuit, they were alleged to be investors. We don't really know who they were. Okay. All right. So yes. this is a group of Californians that like to go on cruises and right. cookers and blow situation. That's, that's pretty typical in California. But they're connected to a winery because it's California. So, right. so so they want to make sure they have a nice, like a very nice, crisp, oh, like Zin exactly. on, like, on board as well. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? Uh, Peter, you're a food guy. What kind of wine would you pair with a hookers and blow cruise party? Mmm, jeez. I would say that is pure whiskey. That's my favorite type of wine, just straight whiskey. You don't think it's like a Malbec no, situation? Like a Pinot. Some body? No. Like a no. 94 Pinot. Exactly. I think, I think yeah. you missed some of the nuances of the of the terroir of the grape. Oh, you think you think you yeah. lose some of the body? You lose yeah, some yeah. of the. Yeah, when you can't down. feel your face, it's really tough. It's to really... oaky with a slight smell of baby powder. <laughs> um, yeah. Anywho, that's so, not the point. Yeah, so yeah. the story is like tangentially best with baby So it's go. tangentially associated with Nunez and the fact that he is invested in the winery. Okay, so he um, is he is he is also an investor. Wasn't on the cruise. That's what they say. Allegedly wasn't on the cruise. Whatever. Right. Um, but anyway, so the story comes out. This 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 upsets him greatly. Right. Um, and initially, you know, we saw it and we were like, why the heck is he raising the profile of the story with a two minute ad? Because, um, again, it's a newspaper story. Exactly. In 2018. Exactly. Who reads that? Right. Um, it got some national pickup. But then when we went down there, we realized it's a pretty conservative place. Devin Nunes is in the lead in every poll. It's like very heavily Republican. And what he seems to be trying to do is to gin up sort of Republican attention on his race. Because the only thing was uh, turnout was down in the primary. And so if we do see this, you know, Democratic wave materialize, there's a concern that that Republicans will tune out because they think that their, you know, incumbents are comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we were down there, what we were hearing from Republican supporters of Devin Nunes was, yeah, you know, the story, I've heard about it, but I don't really believe the and now that they're attacking him, I'm definitely going to support him, which was fascinating and also kind of depressing. <laughs> so the idea is that the more like the more journalism you do, yes, it's kind of like, yeah, you okay. can't win. That's right. That's right. Quit your so, job right now. And just to be clear, like you, you, you didn't find any evidence that the Fresno Bee is like making stuff up. No, I mean that that's the thing. And we we talked to all of these reporters, and they were like, look. 
we based this particular story and all of our reporting on court documents and on the ground reporting. And there's no way that you could sway something like this. Like they quoted from the court documents. So at that point, what what is fake news? How do you define facts? And I tried to have that conversation. We went out and I interviewed 20 people, honestly, over two days. And it was just not a not a pleasant conversation. What they say? Um, no one could define facts. I had a woman just repeatedly tell me that reporters need to tell the truth. And when I asked what that means, she just kept saying reporters just need to tell the truth. She also told me she came to Washington for the prayer breakfast and was told by a bunch of religious groups that uh, journalists lie on purpose. And she was like, so I know that most of what I watch is not real. Another woman told me that um, the news is pushing socialism down our throats. And it's like you, you can't have conversations because mm-hmm. that's, that's sort of where it ends. Um, but they like the news that they like. They like Newsmax or right. Drudge Report or Fox News. Yes. Right. Truth right, right. isn't truth. What? what was that? It was, it was our buddy. Truth isn't truth. <laughs> truth isn't truth. There it is. That a million years ago when he said that. I do. Yeah. yeah, that was like one back in 20 BC we or were Sunday. All young, very young, very young people. <laughs> truth isn't truth. But this is true. So, but but the idea of this is that this notion of attacking the press, uh, you know, your story seems to suggest that it's actually kind of working. And the thing for a guy like Nunes. He is as closely tied to Trump as a politician in America can be. Right. Right. He was he is an early supporter of the president, a strong supporter of the president. Obviously, he shepherded through the House Intelligence Committee this report that was sort of laughed at even by the Senate Intelligence Committee um, about Trump and Russia and all that. Um, So he's you know, if this is a referendum on Trump, he might be in trouble. But so he's turning it into a referendum on the press. Exactly. And it's not going to be a referendum on Trump in that district. The problem is I think we're seeing a lot of voters, um, A, they don't like Congress. B, Republicans have been hearing, you know, about a red wave coming from the president. So they're tuning out to some um, extent. And with Nunes, this uh, sort of tying himself to Trump may have backfired. Like we spoke to one guy that was like, yeah, I never see him around. It sounds like it seems like he's always in Washington, you know, focused on Donald Trump stuff and not the district. So there did seem to be some frustration. But that same guy also said, well, but when I see the Fresno Bee going after him, I'm definitely going to bat for him. <laughs> <laughs> that Fresno Bee and their kids page. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to match, like their Sudoku section and their stories of recipes. And, but regardless, um, I've I've experienced something very similar. So I did I did some stories for us, or I did I did a story for us, uh, our show about QAnon, which was this like again one hundred million years ago, aka two <laughs> weeks ago, when we were talking about um, this strange conspiracy theory that has sort of like. Um, just in enca- like 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 enraptured many people in the strongest of the Trump supporters. Essentially, strange. the gist of it is that there is a uh, person on the internet who is actually secretly a top government official who's doling out these little clues leading towards uh, this massive purge of Hollywood uh, elite and Democratic leaders that the president is going to oversee. Um, that's basically what the what, what QAnon is, but. In the course of that conversation, there's a lot of questions about facts and what's, and what's in the actual right. news. And, you know, one woman told me, you know, the president's not putting people in cages. He did not put kids in cages. And I was like, well, he did. <laughs> and I know that he did because my actual – my colleague went to the Torneo facility in Texas and saw the kids in right. the cages. She's like, well, I haven't seen it. I'm like, yeah, but I know – like, oh, I ha- no. I'm, tell- I'm telling you. And she's like, well, I haven't seen it with my own eyes, so I don't know. Right? But me – but the same person said – 
Truth isn't truth. The person, the neighbor said, I know Michelle Obama is a man because I have seen that in some photos. Like, just truly odious stuff like that, that they just tend to, that, that they just start to believe because... Uh, what happens is they just get twisted and told that the press just is is out mm-hmm. to is is pushing a line, and then they just buy whatever they want to buy. So what do we do? Where do, where does it fall for us? First of all, kudos on that very succinct explanation of what Q is. Oh, I very don't welcome. Think I could have done the same. <laughs> what do we do? I don't know. Like that was the interesting thing about the Fresno Bee. They've sort of written off this section of the population that will never believe them. Like I expressly heard from the editor, you know, I don't think this ad has moved the needle for most people. They still believe us, but there are some people that will never believe facts. And I, I'm worried that we have gotten to that point mm-hmm. because, like you said, this woman won't believe anything she doesn't see with her own eyes, except for that Michelle Obama is a man. Right, which she's because she saw that in a video or something. Right, or she or so she. Uh, by the way, Michelle Obama's not a man. This is just like a thing that is that has been going on on right. the right for a while. Uh, part of the sort of like delegitimization of like Obama's like as humans almost. You can't have conversation. But the other thing is, I was at um, the West Virginia rally this week, Trump's West Virginia rally, and that's when the Cohen news had just broken, and we were talking to Trump supporters about it. And it's you're not even working on the same level of not only facts but just context. Like we were trying to point out, you know, this would have been a crime, conspiring to commit a crime if the president did what Cohen alleged. And they were like, well, every president does things like that. One woman told me that the the last one to do it was Jefferson or the, or the first one to do it was Jefferson. And it's like, how do you <laughs> have a conversation about Jefferson? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, but, th- but no, but that, but uh, I'm not sure that the people at Trump rallies, like, I mean, uh, we cover the Trump rallies because, you know, it sort of have to, the president makes a lot of, um, a lot of noise out there, but I do kind of feel like Trump rallies aren't always the right indication. I wonder what you thought of how the Fresno Bee is reacting to it. Like, do you think that the idea of being like, we can't reach this population, is that the right move for the press to make, do you feel like? Or is or, or is it incumbent upon us to try and get these people back? I mean, what do we? it's very difficult yeah. to figure out what to do about this yeah. because, especially in the political press like you and I, we talk to these people, we want to inform people and it becomes very frustrating when they're just like you don't you know you you're don't, a liar yeah I you're a liar making you. it up whatever right exactly which yeah. is like you know that's not what we're about yeah exactly um well it was interesting they i was surprised that they were sort of discounting this whole portion of their readership but they also said that they had started an information campaign and had gone out there and sort of tried to introduce themselves to the community they were doing more like facebook lives and more personal interaction because i think what's happened is reporters are now a part of the story we can't sort of go back from that um and so instead of trying to say no we're not a part of the story this this has nothing to do with me you have to prove that you're not biased like you have to get out there and show people what the job actually is and it's not you know we're on the phone with the dnc every day getting our talking points correct um and so that's part of what they're trying to do i don't know if it's going to work to regain the trust of a community like fresno fresno but i think a lot more of that um could happen on the national level and help i think that makes sense like i mean some of the journalism 101 stuff that we've seen people do i mean i read, I thought, I read an interesting article in the time new york times recently where they just did an article about like what the different kinds of economist sourcing means because, like, you know, in Washington, um, w- there's a lot of different Deep ways people are allowed to talk about them, about things. And, like, it's difficult to understand, right? I mean, the president, I mean, you know, a, one, of my favorite sto- one of my favorite stories about the Trump administration is the constant, uh, the constant uh, din that they make about how um, if, you, if a story has an anonymous source in it, you can't believe it. 
and then they do these on background briefings where we're not allowed to name the person that's talking in the briefing. Right. It's like one of the best, it's like one of the best summaries of what it is like to live and work as a reporter in Washington right now. Um, but I think, I do think it might be helpful for reporters and for, you know, for media organizations to talk more about how we do our jobs. Because, because I mean, it's characterized by somebody else all the time, and we never just sort of say how it actually works. Right. And a place like the Fresno Bee, those kind of outlets were, in the, in the recent past, some of the most trusted. Because right. they do right. live right there. I mean, look. I spend a lot of time parachuting into places. I mean, we you know we try to dig in at Vice News and spend a lot of time and, and 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 do the stories right. But you know, it's understandable if you live in a community and you're like, I you don't, I've never seen your face before. But the Fresno Bee, they live there in Fresno. Exactly. Essentially, well, they're probably on that cruise. It's <laughs> they're doing yeah, lines. That may have been how they got the story. Um, no, I still yeah, can't understand this idea that like of like. Every time I've been to a winery, it's like mostly just like old boomers. What? Like just You're drinking. You're going to the wrong winery. What? What are you talking about? This is like <laughs> old boomers like drinking ones. wine. Like also, who says old boomers can't go on party cruises? I suppose that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just didn't. I guess it's not the way. I, the account. Okay. All right. So you're saying that, that, that there is a straight line from. <laughs> you're just not getting out there. There, there's a straight line from wineries to <laughs> yes. hooker cruise. Basically, okay. that's fine. That's great. Um, you know, what kind of party ship was it? I wonder. That's what I wanted. Like what? Oh. It was like a minor yacht. It was a small little yacht. <sighs> Fresno. It sounds delightful. Tail. What's it's Fresno not- like? Oh, it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> wasn't a lot going on. Uh, the conservatism was very surprising. You know, being in California, you forget that there are a lot of Republicans. And so it's this very red pocket, lots of farmers, lots of like sort of wealthy suburban moms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it felt like we were in a different state. This is not a district that, that Democrats expect to flip. Exactly. Um, but Devin Nunes has a pretty good challenger. His name is Andrew Jans, and he's, I believe, a prosecutor, and he has outraised all of Devin Nunes's past opponents combined, hmm. which is, isn't saying much. He's raised like over a million bucks, but it's pretty good. Um, and that's enough to be competitive there? Mm. No, not really. I mean, Nunes won the primary by double digits. So, you know, unless we're seeing a crazy blue wave, it's unlikely. Got it. But who knows? Got it. So this is a Republican area where maybe those are areas that are just going to stick with their guys no matter what. But, you know, I think outlets, I mean, it sounds like the B is trying to get out there and stick around and try to be part of the community and remain with that role. And I think I think that's the only way I can think of it, of trying to do it. I mean, I, it's very confusing right now. Because we spend a lot of time focused on people who don't, who like just like dismiss all facts and dismiss all the truth and whatever. <laughs> and it can be disheartening, but I do think that like, a, like if you look at so many things that are going on in the news right now, it's because of like a lot of work that reporters did to get it out there. Yeah, absolutely. So and it, it's it was, interesting. Local news is actually um, increasing in trust, at least on television which is a very strange sort of opposite phenomenon to national news. So more and more people are looking to their local, like, Fox for their news. Mm -hmm. But there's less and less news on sort of local broadcasts because they get their news from the newspapers. So every outlet outlet needs, like, a Doppler 25,000 radar system or something, and then we'll be be trusted again, like local news is. Yeah, so this is a, that's a very depressing story about the decline and (laughs) fall of a local news outlet. (laughs) Uh, What else you got going on? Uh, next week, I will be in Florida working on a story on a candidate running for Senate. I believe it's in six states. 
Uh, yeah, right? That was the face I made. When I what do you mean <laughs> running for office? I'm so confused. Running yeah. for office in six Did different you know states? That that's possible? Uh, no. no. There are no, like, universal requirements to get on the ballot for Senate and, like, governor, pretty much every um, office except for president. Uh, so this guy is running to sort of point out the, the flaw in the system. So, it, so it's a stunt campaign yes. to point out that a stunt campaign is possible? Yes, but he's not running much of a stunt campaign. He's not like your Vernon Supreme who draws a lot of cameras and is kind of wacky. Wears a uh, boot on his head. Exactly. I wish he was wearing a boot on so his this head. So guy, he doesn't dress like, like, dress like Uncle Sam or something. No, he doesn't do bus tours. He's just kind of, he's like a wealthy Republican who decided that this was a good idea. It's, it's very strange. The requirements in different states are things like you have to own property or like you have to live there at the time of, you know, going into office but not the time of election. Mm-hmm. And it's all sort of up to uh, negotiation and up to interpretation. So we're going to talk to him about why would you do this? Aren't you making a mockery of the system? And are you actually fixing anything? Very interesting. That's yeah. really, really cool. I mean, is, that's always a funny thing about elections is that like Congress people don't have to live in the district where right. they are from and all that sort of stuff like that. That always confuses people, I think, when it comes around. What is your sense of anything going on uh, in the midterms? You spend a lot more time out there than I have recently on that kind of stuff. What do you, what's your take on things? Part of the reason we're going to Florida is it's just looking so rough for Democrats. Like, right. It's weirdly like not looking like the blue wave. If it, exactly. if it, it in fact, is going to happen, is going to wash up on the Florida shore. Yeah, which is just it's been a long term problem for Democrats there. They blame Debbie Wasserman Schultz for sort of raising her national profile and not focusing on the state party. Um, but that's part of the reason they lost Florida in 2016. They don't have an infrastructure they don't have great candidates they have kind of like wacky candidates on both sides Mm -hmm. but um also bill nelson is not a great bill nelson the senator from florida the incumbent democrat (laughs) has been struggling against rick scott the governor of florida is beloved so weirdly and like i don't know which one of these stories is going to be true or not true or whatever but weirdly we have uh, the idea that texas might have a right elect a democrat to, to the Senate is becoming more and more like more and more discussed. And then Florida, which has an incumbent long term Democratic senator and is like we're talking about like just shortly after this like terrible uh, Trump response to the uh, Puerto shooting. Rico disaster and to the shooting, the, the gun control issue, was gun there. shooting and all I that. Mean, Florida's looking like it might not go blue. Exactly. So, I mean, I think it's instructional in this idea that we don't know what the heck is going to happen. Fair enough. <laughs> like, who knows if I'm, I think that the House is going to flip. I think that looks pretty likely, but who knows what's going to happen in the Senate? I think that's an undertold story. There's, have you been looking at New Jersey? Bob oh. Menendez, the senator, the Democratic senator there, who is like very scandal tarred, is sort of he's under 50 percent in the polls. He's struggling. He, I, I said the latest poll is always six points ahead, yeah. which is very low for New Jersey. But I mean, they nominated as yes. their candidate a guy who just barely avoided a federal prosecution for corruption. Right. You know, I mean, he was. I mean, not your strongest case. He's a lot closer to being on the actual cruise than Nunez was. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, don't. What, I don't right. yeah, but, 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 the, I think that I mean, like I said, I try not to say I think anymore professionally when it comes to elections. But I do feel like if you look at the the news cycle right now, this stuff that's happening with Trump. And uh, Cohen and all this stuff is happening at exactly the wrong time Yes, for the Republican Party. People are going to tune out and they're going to be sick of it by the time. Well, but but that's the thing. Every sane Republican I've spoken to, like I I went to the gym this morning and was chatting with somebody um, who's our age, Republican. He was like, I'm sick of hearing of this crap. I want Donald Trump to do his job. 
So I feel like with two months, we could be in that zone again by the time we get to election day. Meaning what? That like people are going to just, that they'll be over all this stuff by exactly. then? Exactly. Yeah. That, that, that two weeks isn't enough time? Yeah. Or what is it, four two weeks, five, six, two months? Two months. So, I don't know, 20, how long is it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what month is it? Where are we? Days. A million, I don't know what's happening. Why am I here? I didn't go to the gym today. Well, it's the same thing with the Access Hollywood tape, right? Like right. We know what we know what the, the sort of term is for people to just move on. Yeah, I guess that's right. I mean, it does take time, but I mean. Especially in this news cycle, like there's a new thing every day. Yeah, I mean, that tape, and again, this is just one example, but that tape was the end of the Trump campaign. Mm-hmm. Right. right, like pe- not enough people cared. Me included. I thought that was it. That was it. People yeah. jumped off of the endorsing him. People stopped endorsing. Right. Him. Like, and and look what happened. But you know, Who this cares? time. But you know, Trump is the president now, and he's not running against <laughs> Hillary Clinton. He's running like he's just yes. just the Democrats in general, right? And what I, I think I keep looking at, and maybe we'll try to. We, we don't have much time. If we'll close out, maybe on this is. I have been paying attention to the fact that when we go to these Trump rallies that we go to, when you talk to people in the Trump rally and you ask them about 2018, of course they say Republicans are going to win. But the reason why they say it is because Democrats are so bad. They don't talk about things that Trump has done or that people are going to come to the fold because of how great the Republicans have been in charge. They talk about Democrats being so bad. And that is traditionally, again, traditionally a sign that's not a great sign for the party in power. Yeah. That, if, that if they can't talk about what they've done as the idea of like, of course you're going to vote for Trump. Look how much, look how great he is. They just talk about like, look at, I mean, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a right. congressperson from one borough in New York City, that that is going to be some reason why people aren't going to vote for the Democrats. Yeah. Or, right. And they don't like Congress. They don't like their incumbent lawmakers. So there's no reason for them to turn out aside from Trump, just a general like for Trump. And he's not really on the ballot. Right. So. so when you leave for Florida, when's this happening? <sighs> Sunday. We'll be there on Monday and Tuesday for the primary, and then who knows where next. <laughs> and then and then it'll be on air this week on Vice News Tonight, HBO, 7.30 p.m. every weekday. Alex Jaffe, my favorite correspondent on the show. Aww. I'm Evan McMorris-Santoro, who stood in uh, once again for Bill Press. It's Bill, thank you so much for handing over the keys. Uh, I'm sorry that once again I have sullied your home so badly. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. His friend Pecker. This is The Bill Press Show.